Well, listening well is an important skill. And one reason why is because we're not listening well can put you in awkward situations. I had lunch in a dining hall one day and I sat down next to a stranger and I introduced myself by telling him that my name is Alan. He returned in kind by shaking my hand and saying his name, Alan. Coincidence, right? Problem was, I thought he was just repeating my name, but I wanted to know his name, so I said, my name's Alan. To which he responded again by saying, yes, Alan. So I said, no, my name's Alan, to which he responded, yes, Alan. I'm now starting to think he's a little bit slow on the uptake. So I said a little slowly, my name's Alan, what's your name? To which he replied with a hint of frustration, my name's Alan. (laughs) Finally dawned on me that I was the one slow on the uptake, but by this stage, way too awkward, and we spend the entire rest of the meal sitting in uncomfortable silence. It is important to listen well. I mention this because this morning I really need you to listen well, to actually understand what I'm saying and for the message to not get mixed up because this morning is all about whether or not you're safe, safe with God, whether or not you're one of God's people. And so I need you to especially listen well. We simply can't afford to muck this up. It won't do for you to hear what you want to hear. I need you to hear what I'm actually saying. Okay, so you ready for it? This morning, God wants us to be crystal clear that you do not become one of his people by being good. Did you hear me right? You do not become one of his people by being good. Not you do become one of God's people by being good. You do not become one of God's people by being good. This is what Paul starts off with in Philippians chapter 3. Now earlier in the year, as Bryson said, we looked at chapters 1 and 2. And in the first half of the letter, Paul's already said that it's only Christ who can make us one of God's people. So Paul's talked about this as the work of God, uh, by the grace of God, through the Son of God. It's something that God does through Christ. It's not something we do, which is why Paul has also said in his opening chapters that life is all about Christ. Because what matters now is for people that they hear of Christ and believe in him and continue to believe in him because Christ is the only way that anyone can be one of God's people. And to encourage us in this, Paul closed chapter 2 with two shining examples, Timothy and Epaphroditus, who had given their all to see others follow Christ. But as he gets to chapter 3, Paul returns to addressing the entire church family and his big concern as he again speaks to the church as a whole is that they stand firm in Christ. Since it's Christ alone who can make them one of God's people, Paul wants the Philippians to stick to Jesus like superglue. He wants them to keep their faith in him. Turn with me briefly to chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1, because this is Paul's conclusion to everything that he says in chapter 3, everything he says to the church. And so what is everything in chapter 3 about? Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, 
my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. See, chapter 3 is all about standing firm in the Lord. And at the start of chapter 3, Paul's first reason why we're to stand firm in Christ is because it's Christ alone who can make us safe with God. It's not by what you do. There is safety in Christ. So let's have a look. Chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers. Uh, Now, just by the by, this is Paul's way of signalling that he's again talking to the entire church family. It's not that he's come to the end of his letter. He's just addressing the church as a whole again. This is actually going to come up again in a few weeks, and we'll look at it in more detail then. But verse 1, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So they're to rejoice in the Lord because that'll keep them safe. It'll be a safeguard for them. Now we'll come back to that in a bit. Why, though, do they need to be kept safe? What are they in danger of? It's because there are other people out there who are on the attack. And so the Philippians are to watch out for them. To stay safe in Christ, they are to reject these other people. Verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Paul's not missing his words here, is he? We're coming into the Christmas season. This is hardly one of those Bible verses you find on Christmas cards, is it? And what is it that's so terrible about these guys? Well, from verse 3, we discover that it's that they're saying that you can make yourself one of God's people. You don't need any help. You don't need Jesus, you can do it on your own. But this teaching is so dangerous because we're talking about how to become one of God's people. This is the difference between being welcomed into the new creation or being sent to hell. This is about being safe with God. And these other guys are saying, you can do that on your own. But it's not true. And so Paul says, watch out for them. Verse 2 again. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. See, Paul's saying, we're the ones who are the people of God. We're the ones who actually worship God because we're the ones who glory in Christ. We look to Jesus to make us one of God's people, and he alone can do that. These other guys, they glory in themselves, or as Paul puts it, they put their confidence in the flesh. They think that they're the people of God because of who they are and what they do. These other guys were most likely Jewish. Uh, We get that from the talk of circumcision. Uh, Circumcision was a key Old Testament symbol It symbolised that you were one of God's people. And these Jews were claiming that because they're circumcised, because they keep the Old Testament law, that makes them the people of God. Their confidence is in themselves, in who they are, in what they do, in their flesh. 
they think they've made themselves safe with God. So you have this Jewish group back in Paul's day, but there's still groups like that around today, including here in Dubbo. People who will teach that being one of God's people is based on what you do. So you've got the JWs and the Mormons who will come knocking on your door and their message is that you can get into heaven by being good. Don't fall for their lies. They're not Christian. But this kind of lie is alive and well even in mainstream Christianity. So you might have heard things like, because so-and-so was baptised, well, that means they're going to heaven. Or to be safe with God, you've got to have the Lord's Supper, or you have to speak in tongues, or you have to keep the Ten Commandments. What all these ideas have in common is that there are things you have to do to make yourself safe with God. It's up to you to make yourself one of God's people. And Paul says, if anyone teaches these sorts of things, watch out for them, steer clear of them, reject them. Because, as he says in verse 3, it's those who glory in Christ who are the people of God, those who glory in Christ, who actually worship God, because it's only Christ who can bring us safely to God. We're a little bit like the person that's drowning in the surf, caught in a rip, flapping about helplessly, I hope you've never had this, uh, running out of energy, starting to swallow water. When along comes a lifeguard swimming up beside us. Now, the best thing for us to do is go limp and let the lifeguard do all the work. If in our panic we try and grab onto the lifeguard to keep ourselves safe, we'll probably just end up drowning the both of us. Instead, we're to just listen to the lifeguard. You can imagine the lifeguard saying things like, just trust me, listen to me, keep your eyes on me, don't look at the waves, don't look at the thunderclouds, just keep your eyes on me, focus on me, I'll save you. That's what it's like for anyone to be safe with God. All of our attention has got to be fixed on Christ, trusting him to save us, depending on him to bring us safely to God. Not trying to save ourselves, but relying on Christ to make us one of God's people. It's like Jesus is saying to us, just trust me. Listen to me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't look away. Don't look. Don't, don't listen to those other people who are saying you can save yourself. Don't get fooled into thinking that you're okay on your own. Just keep your eyes on me. Focus on me. I'll save you. I'll make you one of God's people. Which is why, back in verse 1, Paul commands us to rejoice in the Lord. Because rejoicing in the Lord puts all your attention on Jesus. When you're rejoicing in the Lord, you're acknowledging that it's Christ who brought you to God. And so rejoicing in the Lord stops you from boasting in yourself. Rejoicing in Christ stops you from thinking you can save yourself. This is why rejoicing in the Lord is a safeguard for us. Because it keeps us standing firm in Christ as the one who makes us the people of God. And so we're to rejoice in the Lord because you cannot make yourself one of God's people. 
And Paul should know this because he tried. And he gave it a much better shot than any one of us could ever muster. And he fell way short. And so he rejected himself in being good enough to become one of God's people. And we should reject ourselves in this way too. From verse 4, Paul spells out that if there ever was anyone who could make themselves one of God's people by what they did, he was the man. Look at verse 3 again. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh... I have more. In other words, Paul's saying, if you have some reasons why you think you're good enough for God on your own, Paul says, settle back down and sit back in your seat because the award for the most religious, the most honourable person, that award's already been handed out and it's been given to me. So if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh, if you think you can be confident before God in what you do and in who you are, Paul says, i got more reasons than you. Look at verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul's rattling off his uh, Jewish pedigree here because remember before Christ came being one of the people of God was an exclusively Jewish thing. You had to be a Jew to belong to God. If you weren't born a Jew you had to become a Jew and Paul was as Jewish as they get. Born from Jewish parents, circumcised on the eighth day exactly according to God's law. He was of the people of Israel, a descendant of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. But better than that, Paul was also of the tribe of Benjamin. Originally, there were 12 tribes of Israel, but only three remained intact over the centuries. And Benjamin was one of those three pure blood tribes. And he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. It's probably a reference to Paul being able to speak the Jewish language. Not all the Jews back then could speak Hebrew, but Paul could. And in regard to the law, he was a Pharisee. Uh, at the time of, the, of Paul, the Jews had the written law, so your Old Testament scriptures, but they also had the oral law, the traditions of the elders passed down. Not everyone paid much attention to the oral law, but the Pharisees did. They kept both the written and the oral law. And Paul was energetic in his comprehensive law-keeping. As he says in verse 6, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. When Christians first started popping up, there was talk that they were anti-God's law. And so Paul went out of his way to persecute them. And so he ends verse 6 by saying that as to righteousness under the law, he was faultless. In other words, there was nothing more he could do under God's law. He was the most Jewish, most obedient guy you could think of. Now, we can't rack up a list as impressive as Paul's. But plenty of people try. Plenty of people think that they can impress God with how obedient they are or with how good or religious they are. Plenty of people think that they can make themselves one of God's people by what they do. 
So, you know, I've never murdered anyone. I pay my taxes. I volunteer in the community. I give to charities. I've got one of those sponsor kids from Compassion. My, my children, they contribute to society. I help my neighbour. I try to treat others the way that I'd like to be treated. I'm a good person. I go to church. Been in the church all my life, actually. Like my dad was. And his dad. And his dad. I'm from good stock. I have even heard people pull out the Trump card. I'm a Presbyterian. (laughs) Say no more. Now, friends, as good as we could be, being as upright and as moral as we could muster, it still wouldn't be as good as Paul. He was of the people, of the tribe, a zealot of the religious group that had the highest standing in God's own chosen Old Testament people. He's the best of the best. And what does Paul have to say about it all? Look at verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. It was all For nothing. For nothing. No matter what he could rack up, no matter how impressive he could make himself, no matter what pedigree he could point to, Paul willingly loses it all. He rejects himself. He abandons all hope of being able to make himself one of God's people for the sake of Christ. Turning instead to Christ. To bring him safely to God. And later on in verse 17, Paul's going to urge us to follow his example. And so we are to reject ourselves too. We're to abandon any thought that we could possibly be even remotely good enough for God. Because if you want to be one of God's people, you can't do it on your own. You ready? You do not become one of God's people by being good. Only Christ can bring us safely to God. Now next week we'll think, uh, we'll see how Christ does this. It's tied up with him, him dying for us, for our sin, him doing all the work for us. We'll think about this more in detail next week. But for now, in our verses this morning, the truth that God wants us to be crystal clear on is this. The only one who can make you one of God's people is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I have to ask you, are you safe? Are you safe with God? Are you relying on Christ to make you one of God's people or are you still trying to make it on your own? Trying to impress God with your good life? You know, the good things you've done, they'll outweigh the bad things. And so when it comes to you and God, you know, you'll be right. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because belonging to God, being counted as one of his people, getting into heaven, receiving eternal life, you don't get it by behaving yourself or by leading a good life. 
You can't earn it by being a moral person or an upright person or a church-going person or a nice person because you do not become one of God's people by being good. I know I'm laboring the point, but this is really serious. If you were to front up before God on the judgment day and start prattling on, about how many times you went to church or to try and tell God about the good life you've lived and how you tried to live by the golden rule. Paul knows that if if you were to try this, God would shut you up, thunder against you and send you to hell. So please, please don't fool yourself into thinking that you're one of God's people because of anything you do. Give it all up. Lose it all. Lose your pride in who you are. Lose your self-confidence before God. Even if it means having to admit that you've been wrong. Even if it means telling people who thought you were a Christian, actually I wasn't. Even if it means having to admit that you've wasted your life up until this point, be willing to lose it all. Consider it all a loss for the sake of Christ. Turn to Christ to make you one of God's people. Turn to Christ to be safe with God. Listen to Jesus as he says to you, keep your eyes on me. Don't listen to those other people who say you can save yourself. Don't get fooled into thinking that you're okay on your own. Keep your eyes on me. Focus on me. I'll save you. I'll make you one of God's precious children. And then, rejoice in the Lord. Bask in his goodness. Celebrate his greatness. Revel in him making you one of God's people and relax in his salvation. Reflect on what he has done for you and stand firm in Christ. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to say the same things to you again and it's a safeguard for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for our Lord. Thank you that he, he has made us your people. Father, we want to be the people that rejoice in him and have no confidence in ourselves but all our boasting and all our glorying, all our confidence in Christ Jesus. And Father, for any that are here this morning that do not yet glory in your Son and trust him, Father, please help them to see that it's only in Jesus that we can belong to you. Father, thank you so much for giving us your Son. And we pray that today, as always, we would stand firm in him and rejoice in his name. Amen.